Hi everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Mind Blown Zone. This one is called From Herd Mentality to Sovereignty. Uh, this one's going to have a lot of interesting discussion about how we form beliefs, about independent thinking, about living in society, about, you know, becoming more aligned with yourself and more self-discovery. Uh, this one is Brad's uh, baby, so he's going to introduce it. How are you, Brad? I'm fantastic. Yourself? Very well today. Uh, happy to be back in Australia. Uh, so why don't you uh, tell us all about this? Yeah, I just going to say I got tired of saying never better, so I went with fantastic. Uh, so yeah, the uh, this herd mentality, it's, part of, it's really the third leg of the stool in my mind on things that kind of get in the way of our ability to, really not our ability, our willingness to open up to new ideas. And as we'll get, as we go along through this, we'll see how even for the people who do are willing to investigate things outside the herd, outside the norms, the next pressure becomes actually sharing those ideas and talking about those ideas with friends, family, coworkers, et cetera. So there's kind of two levels to this. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll dive deep into it uh, as we go through this broadcast today. So, what is this herd mentality? It's another you know it's another kind of platitude, if you will. We talked about that a little bit in our I think our second podcast with uh, mind, belief, and authority, and that everybody agrees that herd mentality maybe isn't such a good idea, but we're all very much involved in it. That's part of the way society works. And this definition that was given here, it's kind of, it's when people have beliefs, pursuits, interests that uh, are not different from the collective. So they, they um, are things that we do because we see other people around them doing it as well. So there's some level of, I want to be in the popular group. I want to be liked. I want to be, have a lot of friends. And so that drives things, uh, you know, getting out of the herd mentality is when things get tricky. And of course, we all are familiar with this idea uh, of peer pressure. I don't know how much how much peer pressure did you face, grow up, you know, coming up through uh, middle school and high school, Matt. A lot, little. Uh, I, I mean, there, there's a whole story there, but I, I felt uh, <laughs> kind of outcastish from the very beginning. Uh, so I didn't really have this experience of trying to break away. I felt like I was always on the outside, but. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I could observe the peer pressure on my peers that they were hesitant to break away mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I think we both share that in a sense that we were both kind of hardwired to be somewhat of an outsider. And it was it was more painful to acquiesce to the herd for us than it was for a lot of people, but we still did plenty of it. I mean, I, I'll speak for myself. I know I did. Um, you know, especially in school, of course, all the way, all through those school years. And, uh, it's certainly a, a classic example of, you know, society, the herd drawing you in and, you know, forcing you to conform in effect. So that's a, that's a biggie that everybody hopefully can identify with. Uh, you know, and I contend that our society as a whole, I mean, I, I speak mainly of obviously of Western culture. It's, I'm sure it's similar in, in other cultures, but ones I'm familiar with are Western culture. And I contend that it's been artificially constructed 
in a, in such a way to put pressure on us to all behave in similar ways and to break away from any of these behaviors that aren't what everybody else is doing uh, becomes very difficult on us from, from a social interaction aspect. So we'll get into that a little bit here uh, throughout the podcast. Yeah. Could you add some extra meaning to this term artificially constructed, like the artificially part especially? Sure. I, I think that, that there are forces in this world. We could call them a bunch of different names. I like to just refer to it as the cabal. We could say the deep state uh, and a thousand other names you come up with. Uh, they they benefit from us behaving in a certain way. They They benefit from our obedience in effect. And the more they can make us obedient to the way they want society to work, you know, the greater their control and power is over us. Does that help? More. Sure. Sure. I think that uh, makes it pretty uh, clear. Crystal clear. All right. So you want to touch on some examples? Sure. Uh, so this uh, herd mentality uh, kind of saturates our life. So your your general life rhythm, just the way you live, it's what, what do you do? I mean, you work from nine to five, right? You work on Monday to Friday. And then you have a weekend, you kind of do particular things on the weekend. You know, you spend time on on yourself and do relaxing, enjoyable things on the weekend, right? That's not such an insidious, terrible thing to be happening, but that's generally what is done, right? That's uh, our collective mentality about how to interact with time, to work for a chunk of time straight and then relax for a while, Okay. We have these uh, general life plans as well. Well, okay, you'll go to school, then you'll go to university, get a degree, take your degree, impress an employer, become employed, work for a long time, shift jobs here and there, climb some sort of ladder, learn more skills, etc., and then eventually you'll finish doing that and then you'll retire. That's, uh, I'm not pointing at this and saying, that's so ridiculous, that's so bad. I'm just saying that it's the collective mentality that we do this, right? It's one of those things that if you were to say, come along and say, this is terrible and not what we should be doing, people would be like, that's weird that you're saying that. That's against the, the mentality that we collectively have. And we have uh, beliefs that are part of our collective herd mentality, like our beliefs about, you know, what happened in history? You know, we weren't really alive for history. We just... Uh, look back and, you know, we just generally agree, yeah, yeah, that's what happened, right? Like, well, it's, uh, ancient Greece, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, Rome, that's what happened, and just so on and so on. Yeah, French Revolution, that's what happened, right? And it's written in the books. That's that's what happened, okay? You know, we don't, we don't really know. You know, none of us were even alive 150 years ago. We're just all here and there's things that are written down and it's how it was. Yeah, it's how it was, right? We have beliefs about cosmology. Oh, yeah, that's it. As that's how it is. Is black holes, right? And you know, galaxies, like out there, I look in the sky and yeah, it's a galaxy. There's a billion stars in it. It's like, yeah, that's what it is. Sure. We have beliefs about health. It's like, oh, yeah, you got these symptoms. Oh, that means you have this disease. That means you do this thing to fix it, right? Just general ways in which we go about our health, right? Oh, yeah, you got, got this problem. Oh, you take that particular supplement. Oh, yeah. You want to achieve this health goal? Oh, that means you should uh, drink green tea and go running. 
right? So this just mentality that's just through society, right? Politics. Oh yeah, politics. Is that yeah, the right wing and the left wing, right? And the the left thinks this and the right thinks that. And uh, then there's the middle. It's just this general way of looking at reality and how things are. And it's just assumed to have some sort of credibility, right? It's just generally accepted beliefs and ways of thinking and doing things, okay? Now we've got these uh, ways of dressing, you know, ways of putting our house, you know, like the type of houses we build, the cars we drive. It's like, yeah, it should look something kind of like that right? Like in, if you if you wear something really different or you drive a completely different type of car or your house looks really different, then that would be considered weird, right? It'd be outside the collective herd mentality. You know, what type of TV, sh like uh, even the fact that we do uh, designate TV and movies and things to be like a regular form of entertainment, yeah, that, that's normal, right? It's all kind of like just a general way that we do things. And we just think, yeah, that is normal. And even the way we seek success, we're like, oh, I want to have this particular item in my life and that, that's going to bring me happiness. And, oh, this other person's got that item. I envy that. I'm jealous. I want to have a better item. Just just these general ways of going about things. So what do you reckon, Brad? Is there? Would you add any more to that? And would you maybe... Um, maybe generalize what I'm saying to some definition yeah. of herd mentality that's clear? Yeah, a couple of comments. Just to say, <clears throat> first of all, that it, all those examples that you went through, you'll notice that it's difficult to not do these things, right? It's weird right. to not be, can declare yourself a Democrat or Republican. It's weird to say this, this symptoms of this, it means this disease and you should drink green tea, right? Because everybody agrees with that or so it seems, right? So as soon as you suggest that the history that every the normal people believe in isn't true, you're you're setting yourself up for some discomfort, right? Which is going to be this, right? This collective attitude is going to come back to you from the person, not deliberately, but they're just say, of course, this is what happened in World War II. Everybody knows that, and you say, well, no, that's actually not the way it happened. Then it sets up a situation, you know, cognitive dissonance for the person you're talking to, but they also start to think differently of you. And all you were really trying to do is tell them the truth or suggest what the common belief is may not be accurate. So right. you cause some difficulties for yourself. And we'll get into a little bit about why that is later. That was, you know, one comment I wanted to make just about, you know, the how the clothes that you wear. You don't, you know, the, the idea that we're going to try to get across here today isn't you should try to stand out and be somebody different so everybody notices you. That's not at all what we're shooting for. We know those type of people that wear weird makeup and, you know, put tattoos on their face and cut their hair in weird ways. They, they, those people want to be noticed, right? So there's something totally different going on. I mean, they're doing their own thing, but they're doing it to be noticed. So it, that's not the idea we're driving at here today. Uh, you know, the, the fundamental idea we're saying is, is that because people hold back and don't want to don't want to upset their place in the herd by saying something that most people don't agree with is that we get ourselves into these into this situation where everybody we're believing ourselves into all these pitfalls as I like to see it like we collectively nobody speaks up and I'll, I'll give I'll give a good example here 
um, this. Have you heard of the ash conformity experiment before, Matt? A-S-C-H. Uh, I mean, I haven't heard this word, ash, but is it the thing where people are talking about the length of the lines? That's it. Yeah, that was it was an experiment. I think that was the name of the professor or whatever that that, that uh, held it. But, you know, briefly, what he, what they did was that they had, uh, you know, a guy who was acting as the, you know, as the controller of the experiment. And then there were four other guys that were in it with the professor. But then the real, you know, subject, the volunteer comes in and he thinks the other four people with him are also volunteers. He's not aware that they're not. And the goal is, is that they, you know, put up on a projector, they show a line and it, you know, of a certain length. And then there's four choices below it, you know, one, two, three, and four with four different lines. One of them is the exact same length as the, you know, the demonstration line and the other three aren't. One's actually really, really obviously not right. And one's, you know, two of them are way, one's way too long, one's way too short. You know, one's close, but you can, you can, it's easy to see that it's not the same length. And then one of them's the right answer. And what, what would happen was this, that they put the volunteer guy, right? The guy who wasn't in on the experiment and they put him last in line. And then the, you know, the guy controlling would say, all right, the next slide. And then the, the line would come up and you'd ask the first guy, which one does it match? And the guy would say two, the next guy would say two, two, two. When the obvious answer was three. And the guy, the, you know, the, the volunteer who wasn't in on it, maybe one time he would say something different from what the other four guys said. But he would say three, and he, he would be right. And then I'd go to the next slide. And then the same thing would happen. Maybe one's the right answer this time, but everybody says four. And rather than right. keep, being, keep being different from the herd, he would fall in line with them pretty quickly. And they found this across the board. When it, and it was obvious to everybody what the right answer was. So this is a perfect demonstration of what what happens to us is we don't want to stand out. We don't want to break from the herd. We want to just go along to get along. Yes? Remember that? Right. Yeah, and I think uh, this this uh, is an example of this phrase we love to say from Nathaniel Brandon, Brandon uh, giving away your, uh, outsourcing your intellectual integrity. Sovereign, sovereignty. <laughs> outsourcing your intellectual sovereignty. No longer being the king of your intellect, king or queen of your intellect, but just That's right. giving it away to others and letting them think for you. Right. So the interesting question, which I don't think anybody has any data for, is that if, if you do that enough times, and if that happens enough times, do you start to accept your own self-delusion by rejecting what's obvious to you? Right. right? Like, if, maybe if that guy had gone through that experiment 100 times a day for a year, maybe all of a sudden... Right? He would no longer make a determination in his own mind what the correct answer right. was. He would just wait for what, other, what everybody else thought, and he would go along with it. Right, yeah. right, right. It uh, creates uh, permanent self-doubt. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't be right about this because all the other guys are saying this. Anyway, I, I'm going to talk about this in part two as a in part of our solutions. So this was uh, an interesting experiment. I wanted to make one more comment, too, about the uh, <clears throat> the week and weekend. I don't know if you, if anybody has heard this before, this idea of the weak is when the cabal makes you weak, right? Like weakens you. And so when you get to the weekend, you need that period of time to recover. So you're, you're weakened on the weekend. So you need that recovery time. And it goes to a really old story. And, you know, this is something that I've read and, and just heard in various, you know, esoteric sources that way, way, way long, long time ago, right? Everybody was, everybody, but the controllers or the cabal was treated as slaves and they, 
they could have cared less about us, but they they worked us to the bone. But they found that we weakened and got sick and died too fast when we had no opportunities for entertainment or pleasure in our lives. And in other words, we needed that as a species to live, perpetuate our lives. So they just worked you, you know, 15 hours a day, seven days a week, the people would just die off. So that, and that's something they learned. We need our free time and entertainment and recreation a little bit in order to and you get back to work. Right. Got to earn those taxes, you know, like, uh, Yeah. And give them, give them time to recover and then you can go right back to earning taxes and identifying right. as a taxpayer and sending off the money to Washington. Right. It's It rings true to me. I, I, I can by no means declare, yeah, all that's true. Go to this book and this source and here's your precise answer from the experts. But it rings true to me that that's, that probably would have happened. And that's how we have the structure that we do today. We sure. need that we're weakened during the week. So we need that weekend to recover so we can go back and you know, slave at the job, uh, which we all have also been herded into believing you have to work. I, one more quick anecdotal story that I, years and years ago, I dropped out of college my first go around and I ended up teaching tennis for about three years. And <clears throat> my schedule was exactly the opposite of everybody else's schedules. So when everybody else was working, I had free time, right? The kids were in school, the adults were at work, you know, basically Monday through Friday, nine to five. Mm -hmm. but, you know, at, actually at four o'clock is when the kids would come in. So like four to six is when the kid, we did almost the kid lessons. And then from six to 10 was the adults after work. So I worked from four o'clock to 11 o'clock, Monday through Friday. And I worked all week. I worked 12, 14 hours on the weekends. I'd work from, you know, six or seven in the morning till eight or nine at night. So I, I, I have like basically lost out on, missed out on the millions of things that my friends and girlfriends and everyone had done during that period because I wasn't on the Monday through Friday, nine to five work schedule. Right. So your point being that when you don't engage with the herd mentality way of living, you, there, there seems to be some sort of cost. You, you miss yeah. out on what is generally being done. Yeah. Missed out on a ton. And it, and it, so it was pressure. It was pressure to get a nine to five job in a way. Right. right. I, I wished right. I had a nine to five job so I could go to happy hour with my buddies and go do this thing on the weekends or you know, go mm -hmm. take these trips. Anyway, just an anecdotal story there. But I, after, you know, after that period, I eventually fell into the nine to five uh, routine for a good 25 years. I had to struggle okay. through it longer than that. <laughs> so I would say at this point that we, we've objectified this concept, this herd mentality. And yeah, most probably if you're listening, you probably already had some idea, but I, I think it's pretty clear now exactly what we're driving at. So what we want to go into now is the cause of this like what is going on that we have a herd mentality what well, why would that be okay so your uh favorite point uh to start it off brad is the maslow yeah so, Ma i think it's maslow's hierarchy of needs is what it's called and yeah this is the one i always bring up but in effect uh what what maslow found with his experiments is that you know, humans had a hierarchy of needs at the very bottom. You know, we need food and water, right? You got to You got to have those things. If you don't have those things, you spend your your whole life looking for them, right? You got to get got to get a hold of those things. But once you get those, then it's safety or shelter becomes the next thing that humans desire, and that makes perfect sense too. You know, you want a place where you can sleep and relax, and you know, not have to be 
running from uh, bears or saber tooth tigers or whatever it might be. But interestingly, you know, and I, I can't tell you how many people I've asked this, what do you think comes next? And nobody ever gets it right. I mean, if they know about this, then they do. But if they don't know about this experiment, then they don't get it right or this philosophy. And that is what we seek next after we've got we've got food, water, and safety, shelter. We want to we want to belong to a tribe or a group. We want to be a member of a group. So I call it just tribal membership. So that's our next most uh, strongest driving need that we have. So that certainly explains a lot uh, as to why this is you know kind of a a behavior that seems to be natural amongst us, instinctual, if you will. So yeah, right. That's that's the point that Maslow makes. So that you can see how it, herd mentality is important. We don't want to be loner, stand out, lone wolf all the time, and why people are hesitant to do things that might cause that to happen to them. So I'll kick it over. Yeah, to you I mean, it's that. almost feeling like you're done in friends in a way <laughs> when you're not with the herd, right? Right. Right. The opportunity for friendship and just belonging is like, uh, it's, it's like the opposite is almost like loneliness. You want to be lonely? Hey, you want to like, imagine trying to sell it. Hey, let's be away from the herd mentality. You can have such great things like loneliness. Right. It seems that way, right? And, you know, we, we could make a great example just between you and I is that we probably shared some ideas that were a little more uh, away from the herd than most people. And you know, the internet brought us together. So we're not, we don't uh, live right next to each other, but we're, uh, we become pals and, uh, it's not as lonely when you have someone you can talk with things about that you've discovered that are true. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, finally, someone who, uh, agrees with my silly ideas. Right. So let's kick it down to, uh, your buddy, uh, Mr. Hubbard. What do you got to say about him? Right. Well, uh, I'm going to present, uh, just, uh, some teachings from two of my favorite philosophers who are certainly uh, philosophers not embraced by the herb. In fact, they're vilified and hated. You can just uh, Google their names and find articles by uh, Vice, why L. Ron Hubbard was wrong, why Ayn Rand was wrong. Okay, so uh, in Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard, uh, he has these things called su survival dynamics. He says that we live by these certain survival dynamics. There's the su su survival dynamic of the self and then the group and then the kind of like community and all of mankind, right? So he basically is saying that this, the central part of everything in the universe and its intention, the most primary thing on, on top of which everything else rests is survival, okay? So we, as conscious beings, have massive survival potential. And we can really, you know, intellectually reason about how best to make sure that we survive. And we reason that, you know, being part of a group and being part of a community and, you know, being part of mankind and contributing to these things increases our survival, right? So it's not just uh, that it's some trendy thing that people want to fit into, right? This is serious, right? This is actually life or death. Like if you're not involved and getting involved with and getting benefits from the group, the community, and mankind, then your survival survivability is lessened 
And, you know, that's going to create a lot of fear. So this is a serious, you know, positive reason why you would want to engage with the herd mentality. Next one I'm going to give you is from Ayn Rand, and this is going <clears> to <throat> blow your mind. I guarantee it. Uh, so th this one isn't as like a positive as L. Ron Hubbard's. This is kind of like a, a critique on a lack of virtue presented by certain people, right? So this is on the topic of fear of independence. You can get it in her uh, lexicon online. So she basically wrote this, there's such a man who surrendered his mind at its first encounter with the minds with the minds of others. Somewhere in the distant reaches of his childhood, when his own understanding of reality clashed with the assertions of others, with their arbitrary orders and contradictory demands, he gave in to so craven a fear of independence that he renounced his rational faculty. At the crossroads of the choice between I know and they say, he chose the authority of others to choose to submit rather than to understand, to believe rather than to think. Faith in the supernatural begins as faith in the superiority of others. His surrender took the form of the feeling that he must hide his lack of understanding, that others possess some mysterious knowledge of which he alone is deprived, that reality is whatever they want it to be through some means forever denied to him. Uh, so that's from Atlas Shrugged. That's from Gold's speech. So the idea here is, you know, when you very first encounter another mind and, you know, you think that reality is a certain way, but they say to you, no, 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 it's this way. You kind of like have this almost metaphysical crisis. It's like, huh, someone else tells me that I'm wrong. And you kind of have a choice right then and there to either say, no, I'm right, or to just go, well, I surrender. Plus, everyone else seems to agree with you, so I guess I'm wrong. And then that creates this kind of like chronic self-doubt that people live with. And it's it, that that is like a lack of, lack of independence, right? So that's the missing virtue of independence. And then that just results in conforming to a herd mentality as the alternative. You like that one, Brad? Yeah, it's pretty powerful, as usual, from Miss Rand. She uh, she always dug deep and said it like she saw it, didn't she? Oh, she's the master of objectification of concepts. She's like, ah. this is what it is. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And I'll just do this last one then, uh, unless you had something to add to that. It's, uh, nope. It's, uh explains everything very well. So, you know, the last one I just had here was George Orwell, 1984. Most people have heard of this phrase, groupthink. And uh, it's uh, something that gets inculcated into us from the nonstop media, social media, government, culture, comes down on us, just as uh, the examples we've been given above. And just a quick definition, right? It's a psychological phenomenon that occurs within a group of people in which the desire for harmony or conformity in the group results in an irrational or dysfunctional decision-making outcome. And I'll just say that what what's happened these past three years, uh, COVID masking and lockdowns, social distancing and 
babies wearing masks and kids not going to school and all the rest is uh, a more perfect example we couldn't offer. Any uh, additional comments on that, Matt? Well, I mean, just to, to make it more relatable, I mean, uh, the, the desire for harmony there is, you know, everyone was going, you know, we're all in this together, right? You know, we got to stick together through this. There's this pandemic. There's this thing out there. It's trying to get us, you know, let, let's let's make sure we all get, get through this together, right? So there is that desire for harmony. And yet, the desire for harmony overrides the rational faculty. And so you've got people saying, yeah, there's a virus and I wear this mask, which has holes in it smaller than the supposed size of the virus and it protects me from the virus. So that's a clear irrationality, right? And then you have people going, oh yeah, they, they put out a vaccine. I don't know what's in it, but the experts said that it's good and it stops it and it, it will stop me from getting the virus. So I will let them inject it. Plus they say, if I don't get it, then I could suffer consequences, right? So driving it is this desire for harmony, but has led to choices that just make no sense with reality. Think that's fair, Brad? Yeah, no. It when I just to give some personal examples during during COVID, it, I can think of at least a dozen times when I went to a some sort of a retail operation, and you know got hounded by you know the door checker or a clerk or a manager at there to the person telling me I needed to wear a mask, and I offer my objections and. <laughs> At least half the times this happened, the person agreed with me. Like, sir, I totally agree with you. I I, I think they're stupid too, but it, they, you got to do it, right? They, they, in other words, more people. I I think at least half the people that went along with the insane rules of the this lockdown phase didn't agree with it, right? And mm -hmm. and, and at at the heart, they didn't agree with it, but they just went along because they they thought there was some irrational, nonsensical, abstract benefit that uh, was going to come from it. They were, Really what they were doing is they were going along to get along. Right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, I mean, otherwise you're going to suffer some sort of consequence. Like someone said to me, um, I just cannot believe the vile nature of someone who wouldn't get vaccinated for the sake of others. And it's like, well, okay, so that's what's waiting for you if you want to step away from the herd. Right. 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 There are a few like, of those. Yeah. Condemnation yeah. waiting for you. So best to stay with harmony and just make things easy and flowy and let's just get through it smoothly, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we paid the price for it in a big way. But that's a whole other story for another day. Let's keep let's keep cruising here. We've got this upside downside section. Let's uh what are you uh, okay, I'll introduce it. So you know, we, we want to point out that there's this herd mentality thing. We, we've covered what it is. We've covered what causes it. And then we want to point out there is a lot of upside to this, right? Because where we're going is we want to suggest an alternative, right? After we talk about the upside and the downside. But we want to present the upside for it to show that, you know, it, it, it's not an awful thing to stay with the herd mentality. There is a lot of upside. And then, but then we want to talk about what the downside is. So we want to give you a fair perspective on the pros and the cons of this herd mentality so that when, when we introduce an alternative, you can essentially make a rational, <clears throat> you 
you can essentially make a rational decision about where you want to go. Okay, so do you want to talk about the upside of the uh, herd mentality, Brad? Sure, I can breeze through here. That you know, obviously, we've we've mentioned it in plenty of examples above, but you know, peer approval and validation is a huge upside. No question about it. We're, we're certainly not going to going to uh, argue that that those aren't upsides. Uh, safety in numbers is obviously an upside, and uh, that's. Can I just one. comment on the peer approval thing? Uh, like, no, this comes in on the the level of feeling, right? Like, if you don't have peer approval and validation, you feel bad. Potentially, you don't have to feel bad, but most likely, in this present reality, you're going to feel bad if you don't have approval and validation. Right, so if you, what, what do you want? You know, you want to feel good, right? So say that's, that's an understandable that, reason. That's common. Uh, I I found in in the last ten or fifteen years of my life that not getting peer approval meant I was on the right track. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Eventually, when you give up on it altogether, and you're like, I don't want to do a damn thing that any that the mainstream approves of. <laughs> yeah, I just you know having known. Knowing both sides of things, I came to realize that that's uh, that's the situation. But anyway, um, so not everybody listening will feel like those are an upside per se. I mean, certainly it's it's great to have people around you that agree with you. Uh, sure, but we wouldn't want to base our life on, you know, a straw poll. How many people think I should do A or B, and then go with the biggest number? Right, got to go with mm -hmm. your gut, go with your intuition. Uh, what's the next one here? Um, Safety numbers. Uh, we did that. I mean, I mentioned that. That's obvious. I think that's pretty obvious to everybody. Want to add anything to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what the Hubbard thing was about. Like, you have better survivability when you're with the herd, potentially. That's right. Right. Sticking with Some... the herd is, is a method of enhancing your survivability. Right. Um, you don't have to think or try too hard in life. <laughs> so that's the prepackaged fast, uh, fast food lifestyle, I think, is... Uh, a lot of people find that uh, attractive and appealing to go that route. I just don't want to have to think about it. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole life path just uh, ready to go, and you can just uh, go with that flow. Plug and play. Not a bad thing. It's like running Windows versus running Linux. That's an inside joke. Uh, financial He's, uh, advantages. making fun of me. <laughs> financial advantages are massive, uh, certainly. Uh, by going along to get along, you are much more likely to be a candidate for climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah? Right, yeah. And uh, the, the thing that I added to that with the financial advantage is there's a, not, it's like there's a bigger economy, right? Like the, the mainstream is a big customer base, right? So if you uh, create a product or service, if you provide a product or service that is desired by the mainstream, well, you get a lot more customers. And if you create something that is uh, that the mainstream is presently not interested in, then you're at a huge financial disadvantage. You're here. Uh, I think the last one, pretty much the same as number two. So we'll, uh, we'll jump past that. So those are some of the items in the upside list for sure. Now, I think uh, we also mentioned earlier that, you know, you have a lot of, you got a lot more potential for fun, right? There's all these fun things, right? All these entertainment things, fun things. You get to hang out with your friends much more easily. Like it's much yeah. much easier to have a, a great time. Uh, in a way, yeah. I'm not going to totally agree with you on that, but yeah, and certainly in a way that most people think 
fun times are based on. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I'm presenting it. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm presenting it from a certain perspective. The culturally approved entertainment avenues fun, right. for sure. No question. Cool. So what's the downside to all this uh, crazy stuff? Well, let us ask a question, right? I'll read it. How many people wake up and do exactly what they want to do? And we mean joyfully getting up, excited to do exactly what they love. Like, for example, you you wake up from a dream of creating something, producing something, and you're like, whoa, wow, that's amazing. And then you just get out of bed and then go do that. Do exactly what you dreamed about every single day. How many people are living like this? Not, not many, right? Generally, the mentality is, I got to go to work. I can't do what I want because I got to go to work. Maybe work will let me save up so that I'll get some capital, and then I can use that on what I want later. Right. On, what do you reckon, bro? You know. Two weeks out of the year, I can do what I want if I work 50 of those weeks, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, weekends, uh, you know, two days out of the work week, I can, I can, all that, I can use that stuff I work for to kind of do what I want. But yeah, the, the, the answer to the question is, I, I can't even, it's, it's got to be a number, like one one thousandth of one percent of the people, of people in this world. Oh, really? I think it's that low. I, I would have just said less than one percent to be safe, but maybe you're right. I'd say way, way less. Now, now, little kids, you know, to an extent, do this, right? That's oh, yeah. the, their lives. I mean, they, they still have to follow mommy and daddy's rules, but generally speaking, they're you know, once they understand the strictures of what they can and can't do, they pretty much get up. And I kind of remember that as a kid. You know, am I gonna, am I gonna go play football today? Am I gonna play baseball? Am I gonna, you know, go uh, skateboarding? Am I gonna go out in the woods and build a fort? Right. That, those were my options. That was pretty good. I didn't mind doing that stuff <laughs> but once yeah once you're an adult right once, certainly at past college uh i'd say it's very 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 few our people are really doing what they want to do and usually when you find those people they really stand out that you know somebody who's doing exactly what they want to do right mm -hmm. you, you're just like wow you're living the dream aren't you so yeah it's a, it's a very small number it's funny you mentioned this phrase, living the dream. My buddy and I, when I used to work just for a year as an engineer, or I quit, uh, or was rejected by the workforce, rather, uh, <laughs> we used to ironically call, you know, going into work, living the dream, mate. Okay. Just living the dream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Sarcasm you at its finest. Mention this. Do you want to mention this lasting happiness one? Sure. Uh you don't, if you, if you decide to go along, of course, with the, uh, herd mentality, then you don't get the happiness that you really came here to experience. So we'll call it, I call it non-lasting happiness, right? It's, it's a fleeting happiness is what we live for. Like if I really work hard this year, and knock all the numbers out and get everything right, then I'll get this, you know, three week vacation next year. So I, I spend all this time being unhappy just to get this momentary fleeting happiness. So it never right. lasts. It never stays. If you're doing what you don't want to do most of your life just to for to get the money 
to every once in a while do what you want to do and you have no lasting happiness. Right. Right. And I mean, you're, you're kind of referring specifically to work here, but, um, uh, like Ayn Rand has this concept called sacrifice. It's when you basically, uh, go put, put your attention and your energy towards a lower value instead of a higher value. You sacrifice what you want for something that you want less. Right. And she says that people live lives of sacrifice. So this isn't just about work. This is like when you go to the herd mentality, it's like you, you put your energy there, you put your time there and you live in that way, but you kind of have this in this feeling in the back of your, back of your mind, like you're sacrificing what you really want to spend your life on. Sure. Absolutely. You want to do the next one? Uh, sure. I mean, we've written down a lack of independence and self-confidence, right? And we refer to this frequently because we read in Nathaniel Brandon's six pillars, six pillars of self-esteem, is it? Or the path to self-esteem or whatever? Yeah, self-esteem was the essence of it. So I don't know. The self-esteem book. He introduced this wonderful concept called outsourcing your intellectual sovereignty like when, when you when you go with the herd as we said before you basically just like delegate your mind to well the herd the cabal whatever you want to say right to to others essentially and you kind of do that unconsciously and you don't want to acknowledge that you've done it because it's like a horrible feeling and nathaniel brandon calls it metaphysical worthlessness like when you realize that that your mind has just been given away to others and that you don't use it, like this wonderful thing that you were given, your your rational faculty, that you just outsourced it and gave it away, makes you feel metaphysically worthlessness, worthless, right? So a huge downside of living in herd mentality is you have this feeling of metaphysical worthlessness deep down inside you, uh, and it's what? terrible. I think, yeah, I think what he's saying is you're, you, you will have it when you finally realize it, right? When you, yeah, use well, sure. One of yours, I, I, one like, of your... I get that, but I'm, but I'm, I'm like, it's kind of like they're waiting for you deep down, waiting okay. to manifest, yeah. but you can still kind of like feel it, even though you haven't fully felt it, which you will finally feel it when you really come to terms with it. It's percolating, shall we yep. say. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? If you think about it, think about when you do something yourself, right? And, and you do a great job. There's a certain degree of satisfaction that you get out of, you know, whatever you did. You learned something, a new skill or a new talent, and, you know, did, achieved something. You, there's a certain feeling you get, right? That you did it on your own, right? You figured it out. You climbed the mountain. You jumped the hurdle. But when some, you let other people tell you, well, these things that are true, that they say are true, and you make no effort to validate it. Over time, those stack up on you to such a point. And you'll finally realize, had I just checked in on this earlier, I wouldn't have got caught up in this situation that I'm in. I think you can apply that to almost everything in life. Just stop mm -hmm. and put forth the effort and make sure, you know, for things that are important to you, right? And it's, I think that leads itself 
lends itself to this metaphysical relentlessness feelings that I should have, I should have known better. I should have, I knew I should have looked into this, right? Should have researched it a little bit. Instead, I went with the, uh, the big blabbermouth expert on TV and I took his word for it. And now look where that's going. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So there it is. I'll, I'll grab this last one just because it's my favorite phrase. Uh, Henry David Thoreau, he's the author of On Walton Pond and other various books and poems, but he had this comment, you know, he said, most men need lives of quiet desperation. And I think that's- uh, The audio wasn't so good that just then it didn't come through to me. Oh. Again, so I'll just clarify what you said. Most men and women lead lives of quiet desperation. Right. That sums it up pretty well. It's there beneath all the, it's beneath the facade. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. For the vast and majority. Yeah, we're, we're attributing that quiet desperation to the herd mentality. Right. As a cause. We, we go along to get along, and now we face this situation. So essentially it comes down to the sacrifice of your the happiness which you came here to experience for group acceptance, going along, getting along, et cetera. That pretty well sums it up. What do we got next? Well, we want to make this point that uh, um, this herd mentality, it's not just about um, how you spend your time and energy. It actually has a huge impact on your beliefs okay so your your beliefs are the hurt <laughs> well let me let me just say it in a different way like your, your beliefs about you know yourself and reality and how things are and how things should be kind of like guide your life right and you know in, in, in all areas right like health wealth relationships okay and so you want to have positive, empowering beliefs because if you have, you know, you want to have like beliefs that are aligned with the way of the universe, uh, that you want to have beliefs that lead to happiness. If you don't have these, then you're not going to end up where you want to go. However, if you're in herd mentality, when someone comes along to you and presents uh, more aligned beliefs, you're going to be less likely to believe them because the herd mentality has like a pull on your belief. And when you, when you kind of like contemplate stepping away from the herd mentality to belief to the, this other belief, you're going to have this feeling of, uh, fear. And you're also going to have like this feeling of resistance to it. So do you want to go into some of the finer points here, Brad? It, uh, just what occurred to me, I, I have to, stretch this out a little bit into you know, a little bit more of a spiritual level here, but there's this idea of thought forms. Have you heard of thought forms before? I don't think so. It's an idea that's, you know, not, not a lot of people are aware of it. I'll just sketch the idea. You know, the essence of it here is that there are these thought forms and the more people that think particular thought or share a particular belief, the larger, heavier, and more powerful the thought form is. Mm -hmm. And to break out of that thought form is, is challenging, extremely challenging for thought beliefs that are almost universal. 
That makes sense. Yeah, sure. Um, so that seems like um, yeah, it's like it's if you yeah you have to kind of you know believe in kind of like the collective consciousness kind of thing and it, it having kind of like an energetic hold and more people are pumping uh, energy into a particular thought form and that thought form actually has like a ethereal is perhaps the right word power a pull and it's like sure. attracting you toward toward it and stopping you from breaking away Influ yeah it influences you and and to be to put a fine point on this breaking out of your first major dominant collective thought form is the hardest and mm -hmm. it seems like once you break free from one the others aren't nearly as hard sure and it becomes easier once you kind of loosen yourself from one yeah food for thought that was all I had to add on that uh, on that section. I think. Where do we go um, did you want to go into? Did you want to go through each of these points, or did you want to at least mention this unholy tr trinity idea? Oh well, yeah. So uh, yeah, so section uh, this section here. So you know, um, you know, going along with that idea, we're just talking about you know it, it becomes difficult. You know, when it comes to career, co-workers, peer group, certainly the hardest thing when we become adults and when we, we become, you know, we get 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years of experience in a particular area, it's hard to break out of that area. Uh, we get, mm -hmm. you know, locked into it, right? I spent all this money on my education or training experience and so forth. So there, there's a thing that locks people down. Um, it's, it could be very fearful to state your beliefs, especially in a crowd. Um, when you when your beliefs are opposed to the dominant majority, I, and again, I just right. it as an example. You know, look at some. Of, there's some horror stories out there about people who didn't agree with most of their family members, and next thing you know, you know, they're out, they're uh, kicked out of the house, they aren't invited to the family gatherings, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Just for speaking out, saying I, I don't believe this stuff that's going on. So there are prime examples of. Uh, this happening but it's interesting is that the people that went through that said they would wouldn't go back and do it another way they're proud of that they stood their ground and maintained their intellectual sovereignty in the face of uh you know being an outcast in their whatever family or social group or whatever so it's interesting that you would think that the damages from doing that would be these lasting painful difficult situations but they seem to have come out stronger wiser and feel you know, more sovereign than they did before, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, the the pain of um breaking out of the herd mentality is temporary, but the pain of staying with it lasts forever. Right. It just builds. It builds up. Right? It's a, more psychological problems than anything. Is that you're literally going against what your gut is telling you, mm -hmm. your intuition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do I have here? fear of the lone wolf syndrome or yeah obviously it's true for wolves right they they live in the pack and uh for them they cannot survive outside the pack but that's that's just for wolves but we all get the idea lone wolf syndrome it's, it's no fun to be a completely lone wolf we do like to have our uh, friends and pals around for sure um so i i just call this this is the third in the series that i wanted to get you know these podcasts out uh, so that we can refer back to them in all future podcasts. I call this really the unholy trinity, uh, the anti-trifecta. So it was it was 
uh, number two, MBZ002, the blind belief in authority, massive, massive problem. And then it was the belief imprinting, which we did five or six, I think, uh, is another one that we have to overcome. And those two are actually a little bit easier to see, challenge, and overcome than this one we're talking about today, which is this herd mentality idea and how it once it's, it's kind of like once you become aware of your belief imprints or that you were blindly believing authority and realize that what you believed wasn't true, you've taken a big step. But the bigger step then is what we're going to talk about here in the solution part of it. But it's it's then how do I how do I maintain my herd membership yet express my newfound beliefs? And mm-hmm. that's the last hurdle before I I consider you to be you freed yourself from this cabal instigated artificial society forces that are working against us. I might just, um, if you don't mind, Brad, uh, no, no offense by this, but I might just, um, mention the un- unholy Trinity just in, uh, just clarify it a bit, if you don't mind. Um, so the, the, what we're talking about here is, uh, Brad identified three main or core most relevant reasons why people have trouble essentially changing their beliefs from, uh, well, essentially uh, disempowered beliefs or incorrect beliefs to more empowered beliefs or more correct beliefs, right? So he identified blind belief in authority as the first one. So we identified, well, people are have outsourced their intellectual sovereignty and, and they say, oh, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson says this or, you know, Fauci said that or whatever authority is out there, right? So it's like the the experts must be right. The next one we covered was belief imprinting. So it was the very first time you have a kind of experience in a particular topic and some and you know you make some conclusion whether someone else tells you and you you believe them or whether you just come to the conclusion yourself based on you know the information available and that's like your imprint and you're like, oh yeah, I believe that. And then it has a very strong hold over you. And the third one is what we're covering today, the herd mentality. So you're, you're just kind of like being in the herd for so long and kind of like almost stuck in it. Like it has this huge energetic pull on you and you just kind of like have all beliefs all lined up exactly as the, as the herd does. And these three factors form what we're calling the unholy trinity, which kind of like just keeps you stuck in disempowered and sometimes incorrect beliefs. Did I do your uh, theory justice, Brad? You did a, a great justice. And, and just to su- suggest that all of our problems, every single one of them, this, we can go from relationships, health, career, finance, whatever, all stem from us holding incorrect beliefs. Mm-hmm. They're all, all based there, every single one of them. So the power to recognize that and choose to examine beliefs that may not be true is what lifts you up and out of all of life's hardships, problems, so forth. Right. That's the basic idea. Okay. Then why don't you tell us a solution, Brett? (laughs) Well, the solution to all of this, of course, is it takes a whole lot of courage for most people. No question about it. Um, To get yourself, pick yourself up 
and choose to decide what's right or wrong for you based on your own investigations, research, experience, whatever it takes to challenge these popular norms that the herd ascribes, lives by, and puts pressure on you when you don't go along with what the group is saying. So one of the questions that people ask a lot, I've heard it a lot, many times really in the last six months is either when do you think that things are going to get back to normal or are things going to go back to normal after COVID? Uh, I don't believe they are. I have read, listened to, thought about this, you know, many different people and sources, and I am making the rather bold claim now that we have lived in a form of enslavement that we don't recognize for millennium. And the reason that we're going through what we're going through now is because those structures, institutions, and powers that have been holding us back are starting to fall. And more and more people are starting to notice that they're falling. So in effect, a new reality is birthing itself as we speak. It's underway. It's not going to start tomorrow or next month or next year. It is underway. People that are recognizing it more and more often be called way showers. And I, I'd like to think that Matt and I fall into that category. And we're trying to point this out to people and have them recognize that we aren't going back to the way things were before COVID. And in fact, the ways that humanity was indoctrinated and programmed into being in the past are going to become less and less successful for people. This going along to get along, this herd mentality, this shutting up and not speaking your mind, not sharing your own personal beliefs uh, may have gotten you to climb the corporate ladder in the past. You're, you know, you're one of the guys that, you know, goes along, that's going to work against you moving forward. And in fact, the opposite is true going forward. And that's the, the, you know, the essential idea from Joseph Campbell, which has always been true, mind you, this idea of following your bliss. Those are going to be the successful people moving forward because that is actually in alignment with what I'll call universal laws. As long as you're following your bliss, your happiness, then you are going to come out happy and successful. In other words, you can't get to happy. You can't get to success, happiness, permanent lasting happiness on a path of frustration and dissatisfaction and unhappiness. It doesn't, it doesn't work, right? It's like you're following the wrong path. Even though- What if you just I... do it enough for long enough and really hard? <laughs> right? This is what society suggests, right? This is what society's definition is. If you sacrifice enough, if you work hard enough, if you give up on all these other things and do this, take these 30 years to get yourself into position, then at the end of that, then you'll finally be in, in a position where you can be forever happy. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that, that's the message, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's never been true. And it's, it's really not going to be true in the times ahead. That's what I'm contending. Mm -hmm. You've got to, we've got to figure out what makes us happy, what makes us tick and follow that path. You know, it may just be getting up tomorrow and flying a kite. Maybe what makes you happy tomorrow. That's what you do. It is, this isn't about 
coming up with a whole new life plan and career and what you're going to do over the next 20 years. It's the exact opposite of that. It's getting up and doing what you want to do. And obviously, most people can't do that today because they don't have enough money. A topic for a, another podcast, but that's what seems to be pre preventing it. So the solution really is to do as many things as you can conceivably possibly do and to, to take steps towards following your bliss as much as you can. And that will ease you out of the pressures, the money pressures, the career pressure, the peer pressure, whatever it is. It'll ease you out of that so you can make a graceful exit from this control matrix. That's the basic idea. It seems like uh, uh, one, of, one of the central things here is the there's a herd mentality about happiness. And it's like you have to break away from from that to be happy. And That's it's right. difficult because there's so much momentum in pursuing that kind of happiness and there's like a sunk cost effect into it. You put so much time and investment into it and, and then... But then it's turning out that it's just not working anymore. And it's it's uh, following that path that's to happiness that has been provided by other people and they've told you that it's going to lead to happiness. But continuing to believe that, like, allowing, like deceiving yourself into believing that is going to lead to unhappiness. So the sooner you can break from that, the better. And... You're going to safeguard yourself from unhappiness and you're going to make your way towards lasting happiness that much easier and sooner. Right. To be clear, you're, it's not leading to unhappiness. You're in that unhappiness. The whole the unhappiness leads to unhappiness, right? Right. So if you, if you right. say, if I, if I just work hard and, and work you know, 30 years in this career of unhappiness, then when I retire, I get happiness. No, 30 years of unhappiness doesn't lead to happiness. Right, right, it's, right. It's, it's the exact reverse. So I wanted to throw in here real quick. I mentioned the Ash conformity experiment, part one. This is part two. The, the end of this experiment, for those of you who've seen it, obviously you've seen it, but what, what they did next was they didn't know how far they would have to go to make this work, but it turns out it was only, only take one of the, if you recall, there were four guys that were pretending to be volunteers along with the one guy who was, wasn't in on, mm -hmm. the, on the experiment. And they didn't know how many guys they would have to make say the right answer in order for the other the other guy to go along with just the one guy but it turned out it was just one guy so you know or, right the original part of this if all four guys said the same wrong answer the volunteer guy would go along with them but if just right. one guy if just one guy in the group was said the right answer then he felt confident he could go along with that one guy even though oh, okay. three were against him so it took one Whoa. person to stand up and stand out for him to assert himself. And I just want to right. make this point that this is what it's going to take for all of us is that you listening may be that one person that's going to help your family member, your coworker, your friends, whatever. You're you're showing your independence, your sovereignty. You're you're not you're not afraid to stand up to the societal norm. You you're going to be a change maker for those around you. It's the power of just one other person stepping up. And then this is kind of the hundredth month, hundredth month monkey effect. Eventually, all the false beliefs, all the fraud, all the deceptions will fall away when enough people do this. Anyway, go ahead, Matt. I mean, I was only uh, hoping to say exactly what you ended up saying. Oh, <laughs> so that, yeah, that's that's Brad. Brad, I got some, got some really good here. <laughs> you give you giving me a really good idea. 
<laughs> so we, there may be a little pain and suffering involved with you being the only person in your social group or your family <clears throat> that's standing your ground and asserting the truth to them, but it, it will pay off because somebody else will step up with you and then, right, it'll be a domino effect. And that's what we need. And that's what too many people have been afraid of doing too much in the past, but that's the way society is going to move forward in the future. So don't be afraid to stand out in this sense and voice your independent and, uh, you know, carefully researched topics that you found and realize that this thing that everybody believes isn't true. Share it because that sharing will spread and that'll transform humanity collective and eventually we'll all be following our bliss because you were, you helped. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, shall I mention take your power back? Sure. Absolutely. Well, I think this podcast, um, sometimes when, when I get to the end of the podcast, I have to say, uh, yeah. And kind of also on a similar path, we also have this take your power back, but like if, you are feeling kind of empowered by the ideas that we're presenting, then, okay, just immediately right now, go and investigate our course below on this page or go through to the mindblendzone.com and look at Take Your Power Back because Take Your Power Back is this fantastic course that guides you further on this path and deeper into these empowered feelings that you're currently feeling right now okay so i don't i feel like i don't even have to say much about the course because i think mm. this podcast has probably put people on such a high and seeing the possibilities that are that are out there about how much better things mm. can be so if you want to just have some practical ways to do that and experiential learning and ways to feel differently just just go look at it right now you're, you're gonna love it so much yeah i'll just add that it's you know maybe you feel you know, deep down you feel this is resonating with you, but you're not sure where to start or how to start. You're, you just, you know, you're scared, you're worried, whatever. That, that a lot of the course is, you know, some very experiential uh, practices that are involved that will help open you up and make you feel more at ease and better about this to a point where you'll wonder how you could have ever been worried about it in the first place. But, you, but it's understandable. We all carry a lot of fear and this course helps you drop a lot of that fear just a major part of it unconscious fear i might add so definitely check it out and it'll be well worth your time and uh we'd like to see you on the other side with uh as an empowered sovereign individual speaking your mind doing your own thing and following your bliss for sure on the direct path to lasting happiness there you go perfect all right matt well, thanks so much for we will, uh, yeah. thanks everybody for listening and go ahead Thank and you see you on so the next podcast. All right. Have a great one, everybody. Okay. See you later. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye.